0: I am a workaholic, naturally, because I really enjoy what I do. I don't operate very well as a lone wolf. So I have this constant inner battle between am I working hard enough? Am I looking after myself too much? My natural default is to see the good, even when there's clearly red flags.
1: Hi everyone, you're listening to the Unrelenting Drive podcast. And before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know, I started this podcast because over the years, I've had hundreds of the most inspiring conversations of my life with small business owners, and they really helped me grow and scale my own business and get my mindset right, even when times were really tough. I wanted to capture those conversations and make them available to other small business owners who are following in my footsteps. And I've just got a small request. If you enjoy this episode, if you find it really inspiring, if you find it helps you and your own business. Business, then please just like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. The more subscribers we get, the more we can invest in making the podcast better. So enjoy the episode. Hi everyone. So I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Hannah Brady from Brady Creative today on the podcast. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. If you could just describe to the audience what you do.
0: Yeah, sure. So um, the Brady Creative is a, a marketing agency essentially. It's a, a business that I started with my mum back in March 2020. So I'm sure we can talk about that a little bit more but that was um, yeah epic timing on our on our part. But essentially we, we're trying to establish ourselves as a strategic agency. So we focus mm-hmm. on actually building marketing strategies for people because that's where a lot of people fall short and marketing is one of those areas now where it's very quickly overwhelming because there's so many things you can do, so we do a lot around marketing strategy, and then generally, once we 've done that with the clients, it's all about helping them actually produce the content, get it out on the right channel, so social media marketing, email marketing, um, we also do quite a lot around like brand development, the just the design side of things and how things look, and um, more recently. We're doing a lot more around like personal branding as well because well, okay. that's a that's a huge thing for a lot of people now. Not everyone gets it, but people are intrigued who maybe wouldn't have been intrigued a few years ago. So um, we're not quite full service. Yeah, I'd say we're 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 really it's marketing strategy, social media content and management, and then the actual branding side of things
1: okay that's amazing actually I do find a lot of marketing agencies out there they they just focus on one activity and I'm sure they do that one activity really well but there's never there's never that discussion about how it fits into the bigger picture and how it's how it mutually supports other things they do so I do think there's a massive massive space there for someone to actually look at it as strategic level
0: yeah I think for me when we started so my background is um the strategic side of things and I'm prior to starting the business, I would have said I'm a marketing generalist. Like okay. I wasn't a specialist. I did a marketing and advertising degree mm. and I understand all arms of marketing quite well. So my job, my career, I ended up running small teams within SME and then a couple of corporate, you know, larger organizations. So I was responsible for conducting all of the work and working with a team you know who's Mm. doing that on social media how's that feeding into emails how are we doing that on the website all of those things whereas my mum's background is graphic design art direction and she worked in a huge corporate for 20 years Mm. so very very different experiences and we but we both had experiences outsourcing to agencies and my experience was that you either get I don't think this is so much the case now, but you either get really creative agencies who are like, we can make everything look beautiful and we'll do all the really sexy advertising stuff and we'll make it look really shiny and lovely. Mm. And then you would get other agencies that were more focused on the the, the darker arts of marketing. So like your SEO, your, um, your pay-per-click, the, the sort of technical side of your web development, you know, all your meta tagging and your building and everything that goes on behind the scenes there. And I just, I noticed that there, I hadn't come across an agency that did the, that bridged the two very well. And really that was because not a lot of agencies lead with strategy, which is where you need where you need to start. If you haven't got a if you haven't got a plan, Mm. it can be really difficult, you know, especially if you just take social media on its own. There's so many channels you can use. And if you don't even know who you're trying to target, you're gonna find it really difficult to pick the right social media channel. So I just like to take people back to basics before we do any of the fancy stuff
1: yeah I I mean I've seen so many people out there make great quality content and but then they don't have a following yeah to see it yeah yeah. like I I guess you're always trying to balance the two aren't you Um,
0: yeah and just you know I think a lot of the businesses that we speak to they how would I put this but they, they they are just overwhelmed because they're thinking right should I be doing a podcast Should I be, what should I be putting on social media? Should I be looking at, you know, really going down on a YouTube channel? What do we do with our website? Do we do more PR? Do we, you know, there's just so many things you can do. And I think you, you have to put things in place that are realistic for people. So like you say, if you're creating really beautiful content, but you're putting it out on the wrong channel because your audience aren't there, that's a complete waste of your time. Whereas if you think, okay, this is who my demographic is. This is what they're looking for. And this is where they tend to interact. And then you produce really beautiful content that fits that bill. It's just a much more pleasant and fulfilling experience because there's nothing worse than you'll have, you'll have experienced it because you've been producing content for a long time. And I definitely have where you, you put so much work into something and you think, Oh, this is going to be brilliant. And then you post it and it completely flops because maybe you've missed something. And, um, you know, I've got the knowledge to assess what I've done, but a lot of people out there are doing that, but then they don't know how to analyze what they've done right or what they've done wrong, which can be There's really a lot of
1: spray and pray marketing.
0: Yeah, which can be so soul destroying. Um, so yeah, we try we try and help people avoid that by, and I always say to people like the the, the word strategy puts people off. I think people think, oh, here we go. I'm going to have this big long word mm-hmm. document. It's going to be really boring and We'll put it in a folder somewhere, and we'll never look at it again. Do, but, do you
1: sometimes think um, the term strategy is associated with inaction?
0: Like, yeah, for sure.
1: I I, I get that sometimes. Um, I think th- there's a lot of people out there that strategize but never do anything. Yeah, yeah, Sometimes it be it could be associated with procrastination. Yeah, but um,
0: again, it's that I think a lot of the way <clears throat> I always say to people, it doesn't have to be called a marketing strategy. You can call it whatever you want. You could call it here's our marketing, I don't know, ethos, fun fest, okay. ethos. Like literally you can call it whatever, it's yours. Yeah. So like, if you don't want to call it a marketing strategy, don't call it that. If you want to call it a plan of attack or a plan of action or- Marketing like, focus. Yeah, just it. don't, don't get too ob- obsessed with that word. Basically mm. what we're trying to do is figure out who you're trying to target, f- really get a clear picture of how can you help those people and what is it that you need to be saying mm. to them and where do you need to be saying it? Because where do those people consume? Where do they make buying decisions? And then once you've got that, it's like, okay, now that we know this and we know what we're about as a company, let's put some content together that answers all of those things. It's you know, It doesn't have to be over, overly complicated. And I think because marketing is such a beast now in terms of all of the things that you can do, it's a bit of a blessing and a curse because... It can be hard to be decisive with what you do. And I think the amount of people I speak to who you go, right, what are you currently doing? And they go, right, we're on X, we're on LinkedIn, we're on YouTube, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, we're on Snapchat, we're on, we're doing emails, we've got a podcast coming. And I get overwhelmed. I'm like, well, okay, because you can't, you can't do most of the businesses that we're dealing yeah. with don't have the resource to do all of those things really
1: well. You're, you're kind of describing us. A, a yeah, <laughs> sorry. But actually, no, we are, it's such a good point because actually we we had to like rein it all in because we we came to the conclusion it's better if we can focus on, a, you know, a handful of uh, platforms and doing really well. Yeah. Um, rather than just do a bit of everything.
0: It's so easy to burn out mm. if you try and do too much at once. So like when we're advising businesses we basically come away we do like workshops and then we will come away and put a recommended strategy together that's you know these are the messages you should be putting out regularly these are the channels to use this is how frequent we do a, a, a content calendar for them so that they can see actually how that looks in practical form as well Yeah. Um, but I think some of them I always pre-warn and say don't be alarmed if there's not like as much activity as you're maybe expecting because we need you to be doing these things consistently well before we can then jump to launching a, a podcast or because th- I think this kind of setting and doing something like this, although once you get into it, it's quite simple and easy to do, mm. the setup and the actual initial doing it is intimidating for a lot of people. Even for me, we've got a podcast that we've had on the back burner for probably about two and a half years. Amazing. Now. What's it called? Um Creative Juices.
1: Okay. That's yeah, a risque. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> no, it's so good. The concept
0: of it in terms of how we'll we'll pitch it and talk to people yeah. and is it, it makes sense. But
1: what's the focus? Is it just on marketing?
0: It's it's really around creativity. I, it's it's based on. I had a bit of a, when we started the business. So my mum's a graphic designer by trade. That's her core skill. My background is more the copywriting and the strategy stuff. And we had a couple of clients that needed help with um, branding. So we did workshops and me and mum did them together. And then I watched mum basically create these beautiful brands from nothing. And I went into this like professional identity crisis because I just felt like my role was really boring. I didn't feel like I'd contributed. Mm. And I I was having a conversation with my mum and I write the strategies up and then mum will build a brand around that. And she said, Hannah, I think what you're forgetting is that the words that you put together are what fueled me creating that if you hadn't written those words i wouldn't have got to that so i had this real like sense of i'm not very creative and what i'm doing is a bit more boring and obviously that i was overwhelmed starting a business in the you know the beginning of a pandemic and we just started having conversations around i think there are a lot of people out there where the word creativity means certain things to people and actually mm. we've all got a creativeness in us like for me accountants are really creative because some of the things my accountant says i'm like i've got no i've got no idea what you just said Mm. but it sounds great and we're all creative in different ways you know Mm. i think um so it will be conversations with people of all areas Mm. um just talking about you know first memories of being creative what does being creative mean to you um and there's a lot of people out there who may not do a traditionally creative job but they might have a really creative hobby that we don't know about i think mm. um i just think yeah open conversations about what creativity actually is to people
1: yeah that that makes a lot of sense um i mean if it's okay can i just delve into what it's like working with your mother because I've, <laughs> I've actually got my father he was like employee number two okay and um and it's uh yeah i mean there's definitely pros and cons what, what do you call your mother at work mum Okay, all right. I, yeah. I call I call my dad someone at work, but then yeah. sometimes I slip up and call him dad. But, yeah. Uh-
0: <laughs> so we are, we. this is a really interesting... When we started the business, we got all sorts of advice. We were having... I was having some personal coaching. We so, were also having some coaching together because... We'd never worked together before. It's a really personal relationship, as you all know, you know, with your dad. Um, Me and my mum have a really good relationship. So not so much from my side, but there was quite a bit of fear from my mum's perspective of what Mm. if something happens? What if we end up falling out? Um, So it's, for me, it's been a real privilege. Um, Yes, it's challenging and we can get onto that in a minute, but Mm. overall for me, it's very Mm. rare I think that actually, let's take as a parent, you get to see your child's career unfold firsthand. It's very rare that you actually get to see that. You'll hear about it because mm-hmm. if you're the kind of family that talks about things, your kids will be like, oh, I've had a bad day or this has happened or this is going really well. And you'll you'll know what's going on, but you won't get to see it firsthand. You won't get to see your, your child in action for want of a better phrase. And it's the same for children. You know, mm-hmm. it's very rare that you see mum and dad go to work And my mum's travelled a lot um, with her job. So I used to see her getting on and off planes, always looking really glam and thinking, gosh, she got the best job ever. But I never actually saw her up close doing the job. Mm -hmm. Whereas over the last three and a half years, there's been some real moments where I've just watched my mum deliver a brand Mm -hmm. and see how happy the client is and see how in her element she is. And that's really special. I don't think, yeah, I think it's just been an amazing experience to to watch each other develop. And we've got to know each other better. So yes, you'd think mother and daughter, we can't possibly know each other any better, but I've got to know my mum so much better as just a woman. And I've yeah. got to know her so much better as a professional. Like it's just, I've I've got to know my mum so much better over the last um, three and a half years. And yeah, sometimes we we don't agree.
1: Um, what do you say the pros and cons are of working with a family um, member?
0: I think the pros are um the the level of trust is much higher than it would be if you were partnering with a a, a previous colleague or a friend mm. you know that there, there's not anybody i trust more than my parents and my brother um so i think that's a a pro um i think this is sort of a pro and a con but you can be more unfiltered
2: mm. because
0: you're used to having open and filtered conversations with your family. Well I certainly am that's the kind of family that we are. But then at the same at the same point that can also cause a problem because you're constantly flipping between personal and professional relationship, which can be hard. Um and I think it's, you know, no one has my back more than my mum. Mm. Or my dad. My dad, my dad would would have my back. Sorry, dad. But you know
1: but in your business. Yeah,
0: like no nobody. Um, our co-director Paul would be a very close second, but she's my mum. So she's going to advocate for me like nobody else. And the same for me, I'm going to advocate for her like nobody else. So I think you've got that. It's just a different level of belief in each other.
1: Um, who, who is Paul, your co-director? Who is Paul Gordon? Yeah, yeah
0: so Paul is, um, where do I start with Paul? Paul was actually my manager in a previous Job. So um, me and Paul used to work for a company that was previously known as ACS Office Solutions. I've heard of it. But they've them before, just yeah. been acquired um, and are now part of the Beckler Group. So Paul was the marketing manager at ACS and I was the marketing assistant. And we worked together there for four, four and a half years, mm. um, became really good friends. We basically worked in like a really small glass office within the office. And I remember when i first started working with him i thought this is going to go one of two ways we're going to either drive each other mad because it's mm. such a small office or we'll really get on and this will be great and yeah we've been we've been friends for for 10 years um again always supported each other even when we left that business and went into other roles and then um the beginning of our second year paul wasn't enjoying his his current role and we were at a point where we were just at capacity and I in particular just had no room for growth. Like if if any more business had come in, it would have broken me. Um, and Paul is a a multi-skilled marketer again. So Paul's actually a graphic designer, but has had a career that's enabled him to do, he's done sales, he's done marketing management. He's really technical on the web design side of things. So he's a very multi-skilled person. And yeah, we, we just, we got to the point where we were like, do you want to come and work with us? Um, And I think from both sides, it was like, yeah, I'll snap your hand off.
1: Um, So um, you started the agency with your mother and then Paul joined afterwards. Yeah. So Paul
0: was technically, Paul was employee number one after me and mum, which for me is really, um, is quite special because my first marketing job after university was with Paul. Oh, excellent. And now he's a co-director in our agency. Um, So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's quite a...
1: And is your mother also a director?
0: Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, it, me, mum and Paul. So Paul's the marketing director. Um, Excellent. He was made a shareholder last year. Um, just because his, his impact on the business has been huge. And yeah. long term, my mum is in her mm. early 60s. Sorry mum, she won't mind me saying that. Um, and we will gradually over the next few years want to take a little bit of a step back and enjoy downtime with my dad um I've got a brother who lives in New Zealand so travel over there a bit more um so and I we decided very early on that I don't want to run the business on my own um and second to my family there's nobody other than Paul who is right for that role and who I would trust to be like my right my right arm um mum will still be involved in the business long term but as mum takes a step back it'll be myself and Paul running it
1: Okay, excellent. Um, I mean, there's something I wanted to cover earlier on in this podcast, yeah. but this has been very interesting. Um, <laughs> it was actually how, like, what drove you to start your business? Because that's the timing's very interesting, Terri- isn't it? Terrible like, timing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm assuming it, the reasons for doing it weren't COVID related. It, COVID was just a an accident, yeah. or well, yeah, yeah. Sorry, COVID accident, was a surprise. Yeah. Unforeseen. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. So I. I work, Prior to the agency, I, the last 10 years, I've spent working my way up from marketing assistant. And then in my last role, before we started the business, I was head of UK marketing for an international company. So I had a, a team. I was responsible for the UK content. Um, and that was, you know, quite a big responsibility. But I'd got to the point where it can be and I'm only speaking from personal experience, but I found it quite frustrating at times being an in-house marketer because I'm very driven. I always want to improve things um, in a constructive way. You know, I'm not, not from a negative sense, but I always want to move things forward. And I just found myself constantly going with new forward thinking ideas. You know, when new social media was coming out, I wanted to try it and trying to get things to be a bit more strategic because lots of businesses operate in marketing chaos. And, It's so much, it it can be really soul destroying when you're constantly putting ideas forward and the the team that you're working with or the leadership that you're working with just don't value it. And I just got increasingly frustrated and got to a point where I thought, you know what, I'd really like to do this for businesses that actually want to improve their marketing. Um, And then my mum had been made redundant after being with an organization for nearly 20 years Mm -hmm. and had gone into like consultancy and was working by herself. And was really not enjoying being on her own. And we just got chatting, I think, over a bottle of wine one night. And I was like, hmm, you know, you're really good at the creative stuff. I'm really good at the the more strategic stuff and the planning and the content. And we just sort of had this look. And she was like, are you? I was like, yeah, I think I am suggesting that we, why don't we do something? And then we put it on the back burner for quite a while. Because um, mum was a bit anxious about what it would do to our relationship and then we decided right come on no, let's just let's just go for it so we spent before setting the business up we spent about six months developing a business plan um developing the brand um and just getting everything set up basically Mm. and then I left that secure job um and 27th of March we set the business up 2020 so my memory of it is that I remember Boris announcing the first lockdown when he got upon that, you know, the the, the what's it called? The, t- the podium. The, the podium. Um and announced or lectern. yeah, that's lectern, it. that's, that's it. the word I was looking for. Yeah. So I, I just remember him announcing that we were going into lockdown and and that was the day we'd got the paperwork from Company's house. And I was just like, What what have we done? Um I was also for context I was going through a, a breakup in a personal relationship. So I'd got a lot going on and then the world seemed to be ending.
2: Mm.
0: So it was, it just felt like colossally bad timing. But yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I cried a lot for that first week and panicked. Like na- my natural default is to worry. So I, I panicked quite a lot and thought, what are we going to do? We, a- we actually had a client lined up okay, and um, someone that I've known um, for a little while in the, in the commercial furniture space. And the impact of the pandemic for them, they had to furlough everyone pretty much immediately. So we went from having a client lined up to having nothing. Um, And everyone was in a complete panic, weren't they? You know, nobody knew what was, it was like nothing we've ever experienced before. But I, yeah, I panicked. And thankfully, again, I had my mum at my side and I've got the kind of relationship with my mum where mum is very reassuring to me and my mum is the opposite of me. She's cool, calm and collected. She doesn't panic um and she just kept saying it's going to be fine we're good at what we do we stick to the plan we just now we go into how can we help mode you know it wasn't about how much money can we make it wasn't about even charging people it was just let us help you like because it was it was crisis mode um and yeah I just woke up one morning after a few days of panicking and I thought right you're good at what you do you're good at talking to people you've got a really good network and just took my mum's advice and it was like right how can we how can we help and then I don't really know how we got nearly four years later. I feel like I've blinked and got a lot more gray hairs.
1: How how do you think people's marketing habits changed during COVID? Or Um, or were you not in a position to observe that? No, I mean.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I think they did change. I think the initial reaction is stop, stop communicating. Stop doing everything. Yeah, there was, there was definitely a panic in the air around what do we say? Because, it was a period where it felt really inappropriate to be selling to people. But at the same time, Mm. people needed to make money. People's business that, you know, it was that really horrible position of, I need to sell because my business still needs to operate. Yeah. But I feel, I don't feel right selling to people at the moment because people are in major distress and this is really you know nobody really knows what's going on and so for me a lot of the conversations we had with people I had lots of phone calls and zoom calls with people just asking for advice Um, and my response was don't stop communicating it's just about changing what you're saying so my advice to a lot of businesses in that time was you need to make Mm -hmm. your content about advice and the sales will come if people really need your help, um, you know, we 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 grew the business in that first year, you know, we we went from zero to a revenue that meant I could still pay my mortgage, meant that mum could still pay her bills, you know. And I think that was because our tactic was advise rather than selling what we do. Um but yeah I think there was a major panic from people around stop don't say anything and that's what happens in crisis marketing goes first I mean, yeah. you have you, talked about this with other people on the on the podcast but
1: well my philosophy's always been do what everyone else isn't doing so like yeah for sure I, I like that. we yeah we were we were seven years old when COVID hit and um I I could see everyone yeah. like cutting back on everything slowing down and, and my automatic instinct is a quadruple our efforts um, yeah I love that and because of a couple of things firstly um marketing gets a lot cheaper um yeah. when everyone isn't <laughs> yeah. doing it uh, yeah, like so true. P- pay-per-click all, all the opportunities around it the, the various suppliers that we're using yeah that, um although we've never gone back to supplier and asked for a discount or anything i, I don't believe in that but, yeah, um, yeah but there, there were many more opportunities um, yeah. at, at that point so and and i think that since then like you know covid was probably a pretty um pretty substantial changing point for us in terms of the yep. way we market like obviously we didn't do anything to, uh, at this level before yeah um but it's uh i think in, then just generally the cost of living crisis the um even what's going on now, um, you know, we're not quite in a recession anymore, yeah. or uh, sorry, we never were, um, not since 2008. But, um, I do think the economy is still very challenging. Like, uh, at the moment, um, insolvencies are back to the 2008 levels, right? Okay. Um, for businesses, yeah. so and it's because of all the businesses that had access to cheap funding during yeah. COVID and yeah. now they've got to refinance yeah, and they yeah. can't afford that, yeah. Um, and I, I, do, I do actually think, um, that, uh, I, I do think now is the time to actually just reach out to as many people as possible.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um I think what happened as well, which is really important, is during the pandemic, the barrier for people massively came down. So a lot of people had time to take stock. And I don't just mean as individuals, but as businesses, you know, it was a I had lots of conversations with business owners in that period where they were like, obviously they're working from home or there was a lot more time to reflect because you couldn't go mm. anywhere. You couldn't do the things you would normally do. And there was a lot around, we've not been doing this very well for a long time. So a lot of businesses mm. had a little reset mm. because it, they had the opportunity to think they weren't, it wasn't the normal rat race. And I think that is really important. And I think that that has done a lot of businesses a lot of good. Um, and I think just generally, if we look at the content we see now versus the content we would have seen five years ago, it's just a lot more unfiltered. And I think that would mm. have happened anyway. But I do think that the pandemic fast forwarded that process, you know, Zoom calls from your house, you know, where people... Oh, you remember the the news guy when his child runs in and the, yeah. the the lady runs in to grab the kid. You know, when that video came out, everyone thought it was hysterical. But if that came out now, it'd be quite normal. You know, mm. I think we've just all... Lots of people have just relaxed a bit, which I think has, has opened the door for businesses who wouldn't previ- previously have been brave enough to do a podcast or to put video content out of their team, having fun in the office and now doing things like that, which I think is, I think, I think great.
1: Absolutely. So you kind of described your first week in business, which involved a lot of worrying. <laughs> lots of
0: crying, lots of worrying. Um,
1: what what's your what did you do after that? What was your first month like? I mean, Ooh. what actions did you take in that first month?
0: Loads of networking. I did so much networking. I joined BNI. Okay. Um, I, um, we were, we became a member of the chamber quite quickly, and mm. I, I know, I knew the chamber team quite well. Um, so I was going to like every chamber Zoom networking that I could. Um, I was just reaching out to people to have like catch ups, and I was just like, let's catch up. And it was, you know, I think because people we announced the launch of the business and I've got mm. quite a strong network locally just from the jobs I've had previously and people wanted to help us. So it was, it was just lots of back and forth conversations with different business people. And in all honesty, I can't remember. It was such a blur because I was going through so much personally as well. I can't actually remember. I think our first client came through BNI. Okay. Um, And until probably two months ago, they were still a client. Mm. Um, And I think then our second client also came through BNI and then we started to get a few through my networking and just people who had known of me for years and were like, I'll give you a shot, Hannah. I'll give, I'll let you have a go at this. Um, And then a lot of it was word of mouth from people. People had good experiences um, between myself and when we've also got quite a good international network just because of the businesses that we've worked for. Um, So we then... We then got a couple of slightly bigger opportunities. And there was a there was a turning point for us. I think it was about four or five months into the business, where we um, an old connection of mine from the office industry, the sort of serviced office industry, reached out and said, Oh, I don't know if you know of any good marketing agencies do, you wink wink. And I was like, No, can't think of any, sorry. Um, so I went and met her for a coffee, had a chat, and she basically their brand was. I think at the time, about 15 years old. I may have got that number wrong, but it, it was it was an, an old established brand, and they were looking at refreshing it. And she, th- this is quite an interesting story. So she said, "Look, I want to give you a new a shot. Um, I've always really valued you. I, I've always thought you, you know, really good at what you do. Let let's have a go." So we got the opportunity to pitch for the work, and then ongoing support in terms of like social media management and all of that. But at the same time. Paul who is now my co-director wasn't working for the business and that person had also reached out to Paul at the agency that he was working at because it was it was me and Paul that she'd worked with before at ACS um so she reached out to Paul as well so then all of a sudden me and Paul who's one of my closest friends um are in competition for -hmm. this piece of work so we pitched and we went through a process of a couple of meetings and um honestly to my complete shock we got we got the work and that Doubled our monthly turnover overnight um, and was just a huge, I think, boost for me and mum because it was a business that I'd valued for a long time and I'd admired and particularly this lady I'm referencing, I admired her, yeah. had, had believed in us and thought we were the right people. That gave me and mum a huge confidence boost and that was a real turning point um I think in the first year
1: do you feel that there was an element of imposter syndrome before you did that okay huge
0: I'd come out I think in in my previous role as well I'd been in an environment where I'm I'm vocal as a person and I'm not I've never been scared of saying what I think um even if it might not be what people want to hear um so I'd got to a point in my previous role where I'd sensed that people didn't really want me to speak up yeah. so I started to become a bit quieter and so it took me a little while you've also got to go from being employed to being your own boss which is another another thing but I had to get my confidence my just my general confidence back so I think like I say when when this business mm-hmm. gave us the green light to help them with their rebrand it felt like they'd put huge trust in us so for me that was a that was a real it was sort of a yeah, come on, you can do you can do mm. this and you can do this with some serious businesses. Um and then yeah, it feels like the, the latter half of that year was just a bit of a blur. Um mm. but then going into the second year when Paul joined the business, it stuck that we started our second year with just me and mum. Yeah. And Paul joined the business, and then by the end mm. of the year there were six of us. So oh, wow, okay. Yeah. yeah. That was a that was a fast year.
1: Um Are they um are the other three members like on, on your payroll they self-employed yeah so they okay. were
0: so they were they were on our payroll. so we've got an apprentice we had a graphic mm-hmm. designer um and an account manager Oh, excellent! and then we've also got a team of freelancers that support so we've had we've had people come in and people go the numbers of who's in the team has slightly dropped again just because we've had a few people that haven't quite worked out and um, how,
1: how many businesses do you work with at the moment
0: do you know i don't actually know that number off the top of my head um <sighs> it's probably like 50 60.
1: Oh wow, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's and, not... and Do you what do you do for all of them like it, it, do you have like one package or No, you no. Have...
0: So we um we don't actually and this is something that we've talked about. I'm not sure whether this will be the case forever, but we don't have set packages. Okay. So essentially what we've we'll what we've done for all of them is some form of marketing strategy exercise mm-hmm. whether it's we've gone in and helped them revise one that they've got or we've gone in and and helped them create one from scratch some of them who've come to us more from a branding perspective we've oh. done the same but a branding strategy mm. and then others we get we get some situations where people need um like video content creating and we at the moment we would outsource that to to a team um, but then we'll create a strategy around right like, how are you going to use that video because again you know, you create this beautiful piece of content, but then you've got to really work it and milk it. Um, so the, the majority of the work that we're doing is a combination of social media management, marketing strategy. And I was saying to um, Ellie, your colleague beforehand, that we're starting to do a lot more around personal branding as well. So actually going into businesses and doing workshops with their team around how to use LinkedIn better and how to elevate your brand on your, on your LinkedIn um, why why so is varied. that important
1: for businesses that their teams have a good personal brand?
0: Yeah, good go- golden question. Not everyone, not everyone thinks it is a good thing, which is really interesting. But from from my perspective, your the, the people in your business are your most valuable marketing asset because they are a physical representation of your business. So if they go to a meeting. How are, they, how are they interacting with, with the client or the potential client if they let someone into the building? How are they doing that? Is it a pleasant experience? You know, these people are a huge part of the brand and the reputation that your business has.
1: I, I think you've got to be quite confident in your people strategy to do that because yeah. pros, it means they can connect with more people yep. and then spread the word. Cons, it's a lot easier for them to get a job.
0: Yeah, I think I, I've had more recently, actually, I've had a lot, a lot more sort of managing directors who I've been talking to about this say to me, but I'm just making it easier for them to be poached. And my answer to that, rightly or wrongly, is if you're worried that your team are going to get poached, there's a chance you're not looking after them properly mm. because you shouldn't be worried about that, in my opinion. And again, that some people might think that's really naive, but I'm not worried about my team being poached because I look after them. And if they're to leave my business, I want them to leave in a position where... They can go on to their next step. I don't want to hold people back. And I'm not naive to the fact that as much as I would love our current team to be with us forever, that's highly unlikely to happen.
1: Um, I think that's a good point. The other side is like, you know, the business has got to be bigger than any one person. Um, and, And ultimately, you know, it's about if you if you've got good processes and systems in the business, if you've got a culture where you're continuously training other people, um, then uh, it's always sad to lose a team member, but then it it doesn't have to be critical or terminal. Um, But the other side is, yeah, it it makes people can, there's Indeed isn't there, there's so many other um, if people want to move, they can I, I don't think a personal brand is so when I said it earlier, that was just me playing devil's yeah, yeah, advocate because yeah. it's something I do hear yeah. a lot. Um, but actually, my personal thought is trying to um, to shield people from the opportunities that are out there is impossible in t- yeah. in today's like um, climate because they will if you if they don't learn about the opportunities on LinkedIn, they'll learn about them somewhere else. They'll have a friend or a family friend they're talking to and, and th- learn that way. So
0: it's risk versus reward, isn't it? you know i think if you if you can if you can really empower your team to improve their personal brands to benefit the business as well you know th- there's no hot shying away from the fact that this is to benefit the business but particularly with sales teams it's also in their best interest because the more you sell the more commission you get paid all of that lovely stuff and actually if someone in your team or a selection of people in your team do really successfully build personal brands in the time that that is having an impact, your business will benefit. And if there comes a time where actually that person decides to leave, you've at least reaped the rewards of their personal brand for that time. Mm-hmm. If they never developed it, you'd never reap the rewards. So yeah. I think it's it's trying to look like big picture, longer term, and um, my attitude to it is you're better to try it than not try it at all and never actually see what the rewards could be. Because with a platform like LinkedIn as an example, You, I've done so many tests with this with clients, but if you post something on your business page of say Ellie doing a video, but you post it on the business page, it will get a certain amount of reach. If Ellie posted that exact same video on her personal profile, it will get minimum 10 times the reach, Mm. maybe not 10 times the engagement, but it will, it will reach far more people because ultimately LinkedIn is designed as a platform to connect individuals. So the algorithm prefers content from personal profiles.
1: Well, it's interesting that you're talking about LinkedIn because there's been some pretty substantial changes to to the platform uh, or the algorithm over the last, what, two months maybe? So um, what what do you think? I mean, could you summarize them just for anyone that's watching this?
0: Um, I probably, in terms of the algorithm side of things, I think is still a dark art to a lot of us that are actually marketers. So for me, the algorithm is looking for things like um, not overly tagging people, which people think is really, really good. You know, you see it all the time. People ask a question and then there's like 15 people tagged in the algorithm. We, we had can spot that a mile off.
1: Me and Ellie were debating this last night. Ellie's I was nodding like, in the background. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, hey... Tag all these people in the post, and I was like, no, yeah, and I was like, all right, tag some people in the post, and uh- <laughs>
0: yeah, you have to be really, you just have to be careful because the algorithm picks that up as you're spamming people. Yes. Because if it's if it's one or two people and it clearly flows, then the the algorithm is smarter than we are, mm. so it, it knows what we're doing. And um, things like just keeping your hashtags to a minimum. Um, you've now got these like it's doing auto captions on videos. You've got things like. Um, videos with thumbnails perform better than videos without thumbnails because that's something that the algorithm looks for like essentially with any social media platform the algorithms are there to get you to basically utilize as much of the platform as possible and as as well as possible um i think in terms of uh, some of the changes on linkedin i've the one for me that i that gave me the most um sort of difficulty was when they introduced the auto captions on videos and it seems a really small thing but I'd spent so long trying to find a captioning tool that I liked that did it the way I like to do things that made it easy for me to edit the text etc etc and then LinkedIn just started putting these captions on and then when you when new elements get introduced they don't always brief the users very well for want of a better phrase so it was I think um I like the way LinkedIn has developed and I, yeah, there's not really, I don't have a lot of bad words to say about LinkedIn. I think with some of the other social media platforms, I think we've got some real problems ahead. Um, I think, you know, things like Mark Zuckerberg creating threads, I mean, just a complete waste of time in my opinion. And it's just a duplication of something that already exists.
1: It's just more. What are threads?
0: So threads is Mark Zuckerberg's version of Twitter. So oh, this right, is the okay. whole Zuckerberg yeah. Musk rift. Um, so obviously with with Meta owning Instagram, mm. basically what has happened is everyone who's got an Instagram account now has a Threads account, whether you choose to use it or not is, is up to you, but they've okay. all sort of auto-generated everyone a Threads number. Mm. Um, I sort of logged in and had a look and it is quite literally their version of Twitter. Or mm. what is now known as x, and i i I straight away sort of went onto LinkedIn and had a bit of a rant because for me, as somebody who's working in the space and has to manage people's social yeah. media, I was getting calls from clients going, Can we set up a threads account? What should we be posting mm. on threads, and you know you get this real like almost like magpie shiny toy shiny mm. new toy syndrome, and I have no problem with new launches for social media, but do mm. something different don't just produce something that's going to generate more noise. Like we're already so overstimulated as people. And particularly when it comes to social media and digital content, people, people don't, they just don't know what to do with themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, people are getting addicted and I just thought it was um, not a particularly ethical thing to do. I think it was just out of pure, pure spite for, you know, in a big rivalry. So I, I find changes like that in social media, I find quite frustrating. And I think, With things like TikTok, you know, completely, you know, blowing everyone out of the water a few years ago, you've had platforms like Instagram have panicked and they've they've tried to switch what they want their users to do because TikTok's doing really well. Okay, we need to do what TikTok are doing. So you've now got a platform like Instagram that, in my opinion, is just in a complete state of flux because you've got people who spent years building high followings, big profiles and really engaged audiences and because there's been so many changes in the algorithm in the last 12 months, nobody knows what's working. Mm. And it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's just a fascinating, like battle for attention with, with social media nowadays, which I think is hard enough to manage when you're actually a marketing professional. So for the businesses yeah. we deal with, it's no surprise that people get overwhelmed.
1: Um, I I definitely like what LinkedIn's done. Like what we found after the algorithm changes is like our exposure, our impressions, our likes, interactions like doubled or tripled. But then because before we were creating high quality content and then someone could just post a picture of their cat and outperform us. Yeah. So LinkedIn's actually, you know, dealt with that. And it's it's really uh, reassuring, refreshing and it's rationing the content. It's like
0: absolutely i think there is also like i've always said to people i think it's great it's great that linkedin have done that and tackled that because they have been getting a lot of stick mm. for that you know you see all of this it's the it's the business facebook it's this it's that mm. all one thing i would say though mm. as individuals like we we do have an element of control over what we're seeing so if you're seeing things in your feed that you don't like unfollow remove it from your feed if mm. you're getting loads of ads that aren't relevant click the three dots and remove the ad from your feed because all of that feedback to LinkedIn will help make your feed better. Mm. Um, so we we do have an element of control. And I often say to people, you're seeing what you've interacted with. Yes. It's reflecting back at you what you've interacted with. So you need to maybe take a look at who you're following or mm. maybe don't just like something if you don't really like it. Because a lot of mm. people do that. They think, oh, I like it. And then their network will see me. And it's, you know, you do have to think about how you're interacting on the platform does contribute to what you see. And I don't yes. think a lot of
1: people think of it that way. No, that definitely makes sense. Um, okay, that's amazing. What, what do you think, like just going back to your team uh, a little yeah. bit, What? Um, why do you want to build a team?
2: Ooh.
0: good question. Um, sometimes it's easier I, just
1: being yourself, working by yourself oh, yeah, or with so your, yeah, your yeah. mother. Or...
0: Yeah, I think me and mum would have probably driven each other mad if it was just the two of us. I think we yeah. need... Our relationship needs more people around us. Number one, because you need that separation as the team has grown. Mm.
1: Almost like a moderator, or yeah,
0: absolutely, and just or a medium. Yeah, yeah, just the fact that now that there's more people in the team and we're 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 busier, it's actually very rare that me and Mum are working on a project together
2: mm. because
0: we have to divide and conquer. We can't, yeah, we can't be mm. everywhere together. Whereas the first 12 months, we did everything together, and we were like, you know, the Brady duo and um. Both of our names, obviously, I'm Hannah. My mum's called Helen, and we had a few. We had one client in particular that started to call us H squared, and then that caught on. So everyone sort of expected this duo, you know, mother and daughter. But for me, I think the team side of things. I I don't operate very well as a lone wolf. Like I'm mm. not. I like my own company. As I've got older, I've learned to really enjoy time by myself, but continuously. I need people, I I, mm. I thrive around people and I, I'm i better at my job when I'm around people and I, people are a big source of inspiration for me. Um, I've always been just generally fascinated with how people behave. Um, so selfishly, I need people around me. And I think that although I wouldn't have said, if you'd have asked me right at the beginning, how many people you have in year four, I, I wouldn't have had a clue. I'd have said, I don't know, two or three. I wouldn't have thought we'd be where we are, but I I've always been into like sport and team sport and just more comfortable in a team environment. And I think my mum is the same and it just, it it evolved. You know, we got bigger work. We got more work that actually we found wasn't as easy to facilitate with freelancers as it would be if someone was sat next to us. Um, I'm also a huge fan of the office environment. Um, and having an office where you come to work and it's not, they're not just your colleagues, but you're sort of helping each other through life. You know, we, as a team, we've all got all sorts going on. And... Are,
1: are you in nine to five or more or less yeah. every single day?
0: Yeah, we're a bit old school, which surprises yeah, so people. Us too.
1: Yeah, we've, um, I have this conversation so many times, people yeah. are hybrid working, work from home. and it's. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I mean, to be fair, we've had to, we don't always get it right here in the sense that like sometimes people do talk about how difficult it can be to yeah. concentrate. But yeah, the other side that. is um, we have put a lot of measures in place to make sure that yeah. we've created a nice, quiet environment. But there's, you can't be just being able to overhear a conversation and, and absorb information just in yeah. osmosis. Yeah. Um, and yeah
0: it's difficult. It's sorry. It's, I didn't mean mm. to cut over you there. No, no, it's, no, it's, no. it's difficult because I think, you know, you go, you go through the pandemic. We You have people come in for interviews now and mm. obviously people's demands now versus five years ago are very different just because of the flexibility that mm. we've been forced to to have and to offer. But yeah. our attitude to it is that we are, we do offer flexible working. But it's not in a structure that's like, right, you're in the office three days a week and you're at home two days a week. Our flexible Mm. working is if you have got a project that you don't feel you're going to get done very well in the office because you need to just get your head down and concentrate, you come and tell me and just say, Hannah, can I work from home tomorrow? I really need to get my head down on this copy and I think I'll do it better from home. Mm. And, you know, that's communicated continuously and very clearly with the team. But they don't do it very often, surprisingly. Yeah. But but we model that behavior as directors. If I need to go and get my head down, I'll say, guys, I just, I'm going to nip out for a few hours. But they're empowered to do that as well. Um, or if they need to go, they've got something being delivered and they need to work from home for them on it. Not a problem. You know, it's just mm. it's more case by case basis because actually we're a creative business mm. and far better work is done creatively okay. when you're with each other. Um And if one of us is struggling with something and the other person overhears, it's really nice for someone to be able to go, have you thought about doing this? Mm. Which you have to construct that when you're remote, you have to go, oh, can we have a teams call or can we? um,
1: Yeah. That's what I found.
0: Um, Yeah. But yeah, it's, I think it surprises people, you know, I mm. think people see me as an example and they think, you know, relatively young business owner in marketing, it's a creative industry. They must have really flexible work. People assume Mm. So then when mm. I say, oh no, no, we're yeah, Monday to Friday, nine to five, I think people are like, oh, okay. Mm. But it it works for us. Um, it makes recruitment a bit harder.
2: But...
1: yeah. Um, do you and your team have like families, like children and stuff?
0: Um, so Paul's got two children. Okay. Um, some mm. of the freelancers have got children, um, but um the predominant group of it, obviously mum's got children. Um but the the bulk mm. of the team know. So Delia, our apprentice, is um, about to turn yeah. twenty one. Um, she's not got a family yet. And then Lois, our um, one of our account managers, she's similar age to me. But mm. yeah, no children at the moment.
1: I guess, um, yeah, yeah. So it may, may. I mean, I know when people do have kids, like the flexibility is even hmm. more important, really, isn't it? And of course. But um, and and you know, as long as as long as it's there for the right reasons, yeah. definitely. Um, yeah. But that that's really cool. And how would you describe your office environment? Um, Actually, where is your office? So we're,
0: yeah, we're based and um, we're in the old granary, which is. Um Best way to describe it, if you're driving past um, Delapri Abbey mm-hmm. and Delapri Abbey on your right hand side, keep going and you get to the crossroads where you've got the Asda. Oh, yeah. And you keep going a little bit more and there's a big red brick building yeah, on I your know, right. Yeah. yeah, we're in there. Opposite
1: Ruby's takeaway or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the Pomfret, the Pomfret Arms, which yes, is, which is yeah. a
0: great little pub. Um, yeah, so we're in there. Um, it's, I mean, aesthetically, it's really lovely. There's a lot of exposed brick and beams and it's very, oh, right. you know typical of an agency yeah. somewhere we do, haven't, do you have we a haven't, glass central office so. no 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 All we right. haven't we haven't got any like moss on the walls or anything no. like that um but yeah it's a aesthetically it's quite typical of what you would envisage potentially for a marketing agency um in terms of the vibe it's um this sounds really cheesy but it's a very like family like we're we're, we're quite close knit as a team and we all know what's going on in each other's lives and, you know, everyone's in, in the morning, need a cuppa. Like there's always music on, always, mm-hmm. um, which can be interesting. We're currently discussing, you can bi- basically build interactive playlists on Spotify now, can't you? So like I could contribute a few songs, you could contribute a okay. few songs and you can build a bespoke. So we're looking at building an office playlist because I tend to play the same stuff all mm-hmm. the time. Um, and they get a bit fed up, but yeah, always music on, um, we have quite a flow of like visitors. I was um,
1: th- say our playlist is usually HMRC hold music. Oh
0: really? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Not, it's, it's not, not no, I, don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think uh, we could quite, um, we listen to a lot of, um, Capital Chill is a firm yeah. favorite cause it's quite just background. Um, if Paul and Lois let loose, there's a lot more like R and B that goes on and And
1: then you've got clients coming in to join you yeah we do
0: increasingly we've got more and more people coming in we've also got a couple of people who rent desks from us um and quite often a lot of our clients that are more local the people we engage with work from home so very often i'll say to them if you ever need a change of scenery just come and work from the office so some of our clients come and work from the office Mm. for a day um it's very much if you were to walk into our office you're gonna get offered a hot drink you're gonna get a warm welcome um and most people, I think, leave, you know, feeling like, you know, they're welcome anytime. It's mm. a very open... It, if it was a residential property, like, the door's always open, basically. Mm. Um, so, it's quite what? informal, I would say.
1: Oh, that's really good. And... Um... Okay, yeah, I mean, that, it, sounds, it sounds like a good place to work. Have you got space to grow into? I mean, you mm. mentioned you rent some desks out, so yeah. you, if you've got to expand your team.
0: Yeah, so we, at the moment, this is a, a bit of conversation for us that we're having. At the we're, we're currently advertising three roles. Mm-hmm. So we will probably be, if we fill all those three roles in the office we're in, we'll probably be at capacity. What, what are the roles? Um, so we've got um, essentially another account management role um we've got a role for a a a videographer and someone who we need to we really want to try and build the audio visual arm of the business in-house and then a graphic design role Mm. full-time graphic designer so um yeah if if those people come in we'll be at capacity so we're currently looking at options for the next the next step but i find it quite hard in in northampton i find that there's all of the good spaces are taken. So we're we're a little bit limited for options at the minute. We'll find somewhere, but we've got about 18 months left where we are. Um, So we've got some Mm. time. We we might have to do a bit more of the sort of Mm. people in and out of the office if it does get too chaotic, because people do need Mm. to be able to concentrate.
1: Yeah, that's our challenge as well, because like the offices on either side, we got three together, which you've seen. And then if someone leaves in that office, I'm going to have to cut a door into this wall, but I don't know if that's a load bearing or not. Obviously yeah. I, we'll find out first, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, or oh, the other side, there's actually a connecting door over there anyway, but, um, but the, the, someone, the person in there has just had a mural, mural painted and she doesn't oh, nice. leave. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: She's now like settled. in. Uh, yeah.
1: And I was like, we, we can paint a mural in your new office. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you but, can uh, be- yeah. But yeah, but you know what? It was when we first got this office, it we were, we were way too small as a business for it. We we had like three together, whereas before we we only had one smaller office and there's like four of us in this office that's really designed for probably 12 people yeah and then now we're at about nine people and then we've got a good meeting room here so sometimes I I, I keep talking to clients about mm. this and they're like oh there's this office available but you know it's too big for us we don't need yeah. it right now but like you've got growth plans you, yeah. you do want to add people to the team yeah when you do actually need an office like especially Northampton as you said yeah. like there's uh, Northampton's uh, like it's one of those places where I think People just want to set up businesses because it's so easy to get north, get to the north, get to Birmingham, get to London. Yeah, I think Um, we've got
0: something like, wasn't it the record? Northampton holds one of the records for the amount of new businesses that were started last year. It's a very good area for, yeah, like you said, for like new, Mm. new business. Um, It is.
1: I read an article where it was about the best. It was talking about that it was the best place to start start a small business business outside of London. Yeah. Um, makes sense
0: doesn't it because of where like you say where it's located yeah connectivity so yeah, yeah
1: but the challenge of that is yeah office space is is always yeah. at premium
0: we we we. i think the way you guys have done it here like you say you were too small for the space initially mm. is the way to do it we've it's been the opposite for us our office prior to where we are now we were in the same building but in a really small probably no bigger than this this room that oh, we're right, in okay. but there was four of us working in here so it was like it was too it was too much mm. we were so crowded um, so we've moved due to like necessity. We've got to the point where we've maxed out the space and then had to mm. move. And I think realistically, that's probably going to happen again. But like I say, we, we'll have to, as mm. as a leadership team, we'll just have to have a look at, is everyone okay? Because if people mm. are struggling to concentrate, then we probably will integrate something that's a bit more, right, a mm. bit more rotated around who's in the office just until we get a bigger space. And then mm. we would go back to, we're, yeah. lo- we're looking at, de- um, they're de- developing, um the stables up at Delapree, um, mm-hmm. to the to the right hand side of the building. So we we have put ourselves forward for one of those spaces. Um and Excellent. there's a few there's a few options. I mean, Delapree would be amazing. We spend a lot of time there anyway. Mm. Um, not a bad place to base your business. Yeah. Um but yeah, there's options, but it's um yeah, it's a balancing act, isn't it? I think with that sort of stuff.
1: Um, what, what do you think the challenges are with building a team? um because it it's not you, always roses where is it start? no
0: <laughs> it's... no it's not it's really not always roses this is the thing i found hardest um about starting a business you know i'm by no means i was saying to ellie again before we started i am by no means a ready-made business woman like i've had to really learn mm. how you build a business like i'm a marketer that started a business um and for me the people side of things i am a inherently like a believer in people okay and I my natural default is to see the good even when there's clearly red flags I'm like yeah but let's my I'm I give people too many chances sometimes and mm. even prior to the business I, I would have done that so I've had to really learn over the last couple of years while we've been hiring to if something's not working you need to you need to do something about it quickly and we've For me, I think the challenge is that demands of people are quite high, particularly people who, you know, younger people who are coming into the workplace who don't yet have any experience are living in a world where actually I feel some of the demands are unrealistic. If I look back, I know cost of living and all of those things, but Mm. you have to earn your stripes, in my opinion. I don't think that should should ever go. You know, when people are coming in and they want to work permanently Mm. from home from day one... I'm like, no, no, we need to get mm. to know you. You need to get to know us. We're not actually going to get a true feeling for each other yeah. if you spend most of your time at home. And particularly in the junior roles, you will not learn by osmosis, which is so essential in, in a workplace. Mm. So I found the demands of people applying for jobs quite difficult. I found that quite um I've had to get my head around that a little bit. Um, uh, it,
1: it's mad. It's um like yeah. It, it, you know, I've always taken the view if if you really don't want to come and spend time with your colleagues, yeah, then find go a find a job where you, with colleagues where yeah, you do yeah. want to spend time yeah. with them because life's too short. Yeah. But it's um it's,
0: it's tricky. I mean, we're trying to build a big priority for myself and mum, and also for Paul mm. is. We've all worked in workplaces. We've had a mixture of experiences. I've worked in some workplaces. ACS is a really good example where it was fantastic. Like I just, I could be myself. I could hone my skills. I could, I was given free reign to try different things. And if they Mm -hmm. didn't work, it was okay. Um, Yes, there were frustrations like there are in every job, but that was a workplace where I just was like, yeah, this is a good environment to be in. And then I went and worked in other businesses where I was like, this is horrendous. You know, I'd had a really good experience quite young. And then I had some other, you know, good experiences, but we all said at the start, me and Mum particularly, we want to build something where people enjoy coming to work. Yes, we do a good job and yes, we work hard, but I want people to proudly work for the Brady Creative. And I want, it to be an aspirational place to work. So I want young people who are studying marketing to think, oh, I'd love to work for the Brady Creative one day, not just because we do great work, but because it's a workplace where you're valued as a person. And, you know, if you're going through something, we've got you, we've got you back. It's not just about, have you done all your tasks today? Um, Because I just think there is more to life than work. And yes, we're trying to yeah. build a professional business that does well, but... I also really care about the well-being of the people. Um, mm. But in terms of like, you, I, I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but we, we've had a few instances recently where we've hired somebody and we've thought, yes, this is brilliant. You know, we, you feel like you go quite a few steps forward and then you, you, you're not gonna know a person until they come into the business and then you'll start to see really who they are. And we had one recently where it didn't work out. And for me, it was a real blow. Mm. because I felt like we'd gone really quite far forward as a business. And I thought, you know, really skilled person, really talented.
1: Why didn't it work out?
0: Real character clash. Um, like and, a cultural clash. Yeah, yeah, cu- cultural clash, which, again, I would say I spotted quite early on, so did Mum and Paul. But mm. we 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 wanted to give it a go because we felt like, you know, we needed this skill set in the team. And then also I just think... Um, this individual had predominantly worked as a freelancer mm. all of their life and really didn't adapt very well to being the structure of being employed so it it just didn't work and we we had to make a decision but for me it was a real i don't know why it just really knocked me for for a few days it it, it and sometimes when people exit your business it doesn't quite go to plan and it doesn't you know like mm. we said earlier you know you don't want it to be you want it to be as you know, calm and collected and as positive as possible. But that doesn't always happen. That's not, you know, sometimes right. things don't go to plan. And um, so that's been difficult. And I just think I had a little rant on LinkedIn recently about the quality of CVs that come through.
1: Oh, what well, last that's, year that's it was really almost difficult. impossible, but now it seems to be improving from what yeah, I've seen. It's,
0: it's quite, I, I think mm. I'm just, I've, I've only been on this side of the fence in terms of recruiting for a few years. Mm. You know, I, I didn't hire the people in, that were yeah. in my teams. Um, So it's been, it's just been eye-opening. I think, and I'm one of these people I had to really work on this, but because I'm very conscientious, I've had to learn running a business that you can't expect everyone to do things the way that you do things. You have to understand that we're all different mm-hmm. and we all do things differently. And your way isn't the best way for everybody. And, you know, if somebody doesn't do something or apply... A level of quality to something then they're not just let it go they're not for your business you know right. whereas I get quite I find it quite frustrating when people apply for jobs and there's clearly minimal effort mm. been put in but I appreciate it's looking for a job is like a full-time job in itself mm. isn't it so um but yeah hiring and and building the right team is has been the hardest thing so far because it's so when you're in a small business and you'll you'll know this with the size of business that you've got but I think the the first sort of 10 people that you get in your business are so important. Like it's the foundations that you're building, isn't it? So if you, one, one bad egg or one bad fit and you feel it really, really chronically in a small
2: business. Yeah, um, you know, keeping with politics. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I, I mean, have you heard the theory of rock stars and superstars?
0: I want to say yes, but I don't know. I've heard people use those phrases, but yeah,
2: I because like Stephen Quinn, he um you know he talks about this a lot. And, yeah, um, he's he's like a leadership coach. I know. Yeah, yeah. He says, you know, not not necessarily everyone in the business can be a superstar. No, sometimes you just need the rock stars. Yeah, um, I don't. I think it partly depends on the size of the business. though, because yeah. actually. When you are a small business, I don't think you can afford to have rock stars.
0: What is the difference then um, between the yeah, two? So
2: the rock stars are sort of the STEM people. Got the you. rock stars are mm, I but, don't know, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the rock stars tend to, um, they, um, actually I should look into that bit more, but it's the, the doers. Yeah. Apparently Yeah. So I think the, student, the superstars are the, the, you know, the A players and yeah. then the rock stars are like the C or B players. Yeah. And, um, but I, 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 I've, We've in our team over the years. We've had you know people at various levels. Yeah, I think at the moment we're probably the closest we've been to having everyone as the A players or the superstars, yeah. and it makes a huge difference. I, I, yeah. think, I, I think you know if people are hiring and they're just settling. Like you know, they should really ask themselves the question: Can I afford to pay that a little bit extra? To step yeah, that person?
0: that's what we've just done. Yeah. Exactly what we've just done. We've been doing it ourselves for. Well, three and a half years, and we've for the first time we've we've gone to you know Darren Sharp. I don't know. Yeah. So he's he special like he special like great guy. Um, specializes in uh, local local business. Specializes in recruiting for for marketing and I think technology um yes. sectors. So perfect for us. We've known Darren for a little while, and Paul knows him a little bit better than me, but we've just sort of bitten the bullet because we've been with the graphic design role, we've been struggling to get the right caliber of we need a designer that's going to push us now, Mm -hmm. um, and do things that maybe those within the team wouldn't, we need, we need that superstar. Um, so Darren has immediately sent us some, some candidates that are much closer to where we need them to be. So I think, yeah, sometimes you've just got to, it can feel for me personally, working with a recruiter, it does feel expensive. But right at this moment yeah. in time, my it, it doesn't because I'm thinking, well, all the time yeah. we're having to put into doing it, you know, it, it's a no-brainer. Um, we've got to that point now where we can and we can justify paying a recruiter to do it. So, yeah, I think with, with particular roles, that's the way we'll go now because it's it's quite painful doing it yourself and I'm not the best at it.
1: I mean, Hannah, you mentioned like, you know, a cultural fit. Yeah. um, issue oh, obviously every business has them yeah um do you have a I mean sorry every business has a culture as well but yeah. how how do you document your culture how do you create awareness of your culture yeah
0: this is a really good it's uh, I love this subject and it's something that we again haven't really known how to do it so we we've got we've got five values in the business mm-hmm. that we that we work by and last year we got to the point where as the team was growing, and again, it's sort of come down in size a little bit again, but we had a board meeting and we were just saying, you know, we don't personally for us, we mm-hmm. don't want to be the kind of business that just has the values upon the wall or puts them in a document that employees receive what we need to actually like live and breathe them. And I was sort of thinking about what some of the companies I'd previously worked for did. Um, basically what we've done is we've gone through an exercise with the team where We've come up with different activities for the different values. So we have a day for each value every year. So for for the family day, we went up to Delapree, took a picnic, took loads of games, all the like employees and the freelancers brought their kids along and we just had an afternoon at Delapree, just enjoying some downtime together. Um, We've got a day coming up where we're volunteering for Cynthia Spencer Hospice. That's to go against, you know, the quality um value that we've we've got. And I think we're trying to live and breathe them with the team. So every year the, the team have basically come up with what we're doing for them. Every everybody in the team has got a day that they're responsible for. So um it's I think it's trying to find ways to actually physically practice them so that, you know, you're not just putting them up on a wall and saying these are our values. And then in terms of other things that we do, we do things like we regularly go for walks together. You know, most mm-hmm. someone in the team will go for a walk most days and we'll normally just say, anyone want to come for a walk? I'm going to go and get some fresh air. So there's not really a day where we don't spend time not at our desks together. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to the pub and have a drink together. We, we've we just actually had a record month in the business. So as as directors, we're currently looking at actually how can we, what can we do as a team to celebrate mm-hmm. that? Because I think again, I don't know how often we're going to be able to Mm. celebrate those moments. You know, everything passes. Um, So, yeah, I think it's just for us finding physical ways of actually living the values Mm. together rather than just saying, well, these are what they are. Um, But I do think it's, a. I think you can over-engineer your values um, and you can over-engineer what you do to develop the culture i think the people that you going back to the people that you hire they have a huge organic contribution to how your culture develops you know lois who joined us three months ago is just a complete ray of sunshine whatever's going on lois has sort of developed that role of sh- she'll make you a cup of tea she'll cheer you mm-hmm. up if you're struggling with something and she's you know delia our apprentice is a real like doer and just gets mm-hmm. things done and um I think the different individual personalities—you um, don't need to overconstruct it. I mm. think the culture just sort of develops organically. And like with the person who didn't work out recently, they clearly weren't a good mm. fit, so you have to remove them.
1: Hannah, that—that's actually that's really insightful. Um, you, you kind of touched on it in terms of like you—you've explained how friendly your team is. Yeah. Like, how do you stop it? How do you create that? sort of gap between you as a leader and the rest oh, of your team?
0: I am not the person to ask. I'm so bad C- at this. Because there are there are
1: challenges yeah. with being yeah. friends with everyone on your yeah.
0: team. I'm really bad at this and I, I definitely am nowhere close to figuring it out. I think I'm quite, and I've we, we've got an exec director who's brilliant um, and a good friend of mine. I've got um, my previous coach who's still a really good friend of mine and helps me out. So I do have some really good counsel for things like this, but... I am an open book mm. and it's who I am and I find it really difficult. I, I believe in being open with the team. So I have no problem sharing how much revenue we're doing. I have no issue sharing what the costs are within the business with mm. them. I, I think it's really important to be transparent. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm probably a lot more open than people would encourage me to be. So with the previous example of the employee that recently left, we're a very small team in a small office and it's very obvious when something is happening. It's quite hard to keep mm-hmm. anything negative from the team. So for me, it's better to just explain what's happening. So the whole way through that process, I was very open with, this is what's happened. This mm-hmm. is what we've done. And this is what we're now currently have, having to deal with. So if I seem a little bit on edge, this is what's happening because I don't want them to be w- wondering what's going on. I also don't want them to be mm-hmm. worrying whether they're jobs are in, you know, in danger. I think um, I currently don't really have uh, probably enough separation from the team, but I actually don't know if I am ever going to want that. Mm -hmm. And you might, you know, you've been in business a lot longer than me. So you might say, you know, that's a little bit naive. You probably do need that. But I think I'm going to carry on as I am. And I think the way I am with the team is more beneficial than it is a hindrance. Um, mm. so I don't really have any major plans to change that. Cause I've worked with people, um, you know, directors of businesses that were hugely open. Um, and that always worked better for me. I prefer to have leaders that I can really talk to and ask questions of and not be scared. I don't want to mm. put too much of a barrier up. Um, there are obviously instances where you have to, um, but. Uh, I and it makes it hard to have difficult conversations with those people sometimes if they've not quite delivered on something or um but we don't have to do that all that often
1: I mean good leadership is about finding that balance Mm. it's about creating a friendly and professional environment at the same time you're you do need to have a little bit of distance yeah so you can actually look at things objectively and
0: commercially yeah and that's the that's the bit you know, don't get me wrong. We don't overly socialize together. We do mm. as a team a little bit, but you know, it's not. Um, it, I don't think I don't think we go too overboard at the moment. Personally, I just think we're we're a very small business. I'm also quite informal as a person, so you know, I'm not a fan of being called the boss. I'm not a fan of, uh, from my perspective. Yes, ultimately, if if something bad happens, I am responsible. Or if somebody in the team doesn't do something that they should have, or you know puts us in a position of difficulty I am going to have to deal with that but we're a team it's quite a flat you know we're such a small business it's quite a flat structure but um I think I don't know how how we've done it I couldn't tell you sort of like a theory that we've used or a, a model that we've used but I do think we're we do have a nice balance of you know it's a friendly environment but we are here to work hard and the team know that mm. um and I think if we model that behavior you know I'm I'm not saying this is the right thing, but I'm always first in and I'm Mm. typically last out. Um, So there's nothing I would ask anyone in the team to do that I wouldn't do myself. Mm. Um, I think that's a big thing. I think not separating yourself too much from the team is also a, a good thing. But yeah, Yeah. I don't, I, I, like I say, not, I I don't think I've got the answer to that Mm. question at the moment. I'm too early. early Most business owners never find the answer to the question.
1: I think it's really difficult. Um, okay. All right. That, that's, I mean, that's fair enough and very honest. So (laughs) it's, uh, I don't think I've always got the balance right either. Um, no, that, that's really good. What, what, and what would you say keeps you up at night?
2: Oh,
0: um, I mean, I didn't have a great night's sleep last night, actually. So good example. I think, um. For me, it's it's normally are the clients happy, um, because we're quite proactive with our clients. So we we have lots of conversations. Like I'm very open with the clients, and will not will normally just spontaneously say, "How are you finding things? Is there anything mm. we can do to do things better? Are you happy with the service that you're getting?" Um, because I'm not particularly scared of what they're going to say, but I've gone through real peaks and troughs of um, I. I'm conscientious to a point where it's 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 a flaw as well because i i mull over how can we be doing things better you know i've I've re- listened to a lot of podcasts read a lot of books and it's all about for me like you know those what little one percent can we add constantly to just get us a lot further than we currently are so I think for is that me, it's Clive Woodward, the
1: uh yeah, rugby yeah, coach yeah, yeah. like improve hundred things yeah. by one percent. Can we
0: make the boat go faster was his as well. I think so yeah. for me it's um yeah, it's concerns around are the clients happy because sometimes clients are quite quiet, and that doesn't mean that they're not happy, mm-hmm. it just means that they don't have anything to say necessarily. And sometimes them being quiet is a good thing. We've got other clients that are always telling us mm-hmm. stuff, and it's just I think um yeah, the client. The client satisfaction is a big thing for me. Um, also, just I find it quite, I've had like a constant, and it'd be interesting to see if you've had a similar experience, but I find that when it feels like the business is doing really well, that's when it feels like my well being isn't doing very well. So I, it, when mm. the business is really, it feels like things are going really at a pace, there's momentum, there's a lot of good positive activity, it becomes a lot harder for me to maintain my well being. You know, you mentioned going to the gym this Mm. morning like that's a big priority for me as well and then when the business when i do flip into prioritizing my well-being it's like i feel like the business isn't doing as well so i have this constant inner battle between am i working hard enough am i looking after myself too much i haven't got that balance
2: Mm.
0: right yet and i think when i i could work i'm a i am a workaholic naturally because i really enjoy what i do Mm. um so i think I go through phases where um I have this thing sometimes where if we're really busy, for me, it's not so much what keeps me up at night. I, I sleep, I go to sleep fine, but then I wake up a lot. Mm. And for me, I get this thing in the morning sometimes where if I wake up, I'm straight into my to-do list. And I mean, as soon as I've opened my eyes, there's no gradual waking up. There's no, it's just like, right, what have we got to do today? Mm. As soon as my eyes are open, and that's because I've probably not closed things off the day before
2: yeah um
0: and that's not a nice feeling
1: i, I used to be like that because I'd, I'd wake up five minutes before my alarm yeah. went off like pretty much every yeah. morning and and you're then like, Bing, i just jumped to it and then uh, you know then we've got i've got two young children so yeah uh, and uh, that that can be frustrating i mean the kids are great um, yeah, yeah but like you you get up and you know what you want to do that day yeah and then suddenly you can't just go and do that yeah. you have to drop the kids off to school yeah. and then you have to get them changed and brush their teeth. And, yeah. um, I mean, uh, and uh, yeah. So it, just mindset wise, it does, it, you, you've, you develop developed this patience and, um, I think being a parent actually really changed me as a business owner. Yeah. Um,
0: For the better, do you think?
1: I, um, yeah, I, th- I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think it definitely it made me a lot more resilient. Yeah. Um, It made me look at things on a much more long-term basis.
0: And your perspective, I can imagine your perspective changes a bit, right? Because for me, I I now, having started a business with no Mm. children, and I I also don't have a partner that I have to think about. Mm. So I am, it's me, myself and I that I have to worry about. So that... um, I have so much more respect and empathy for parents who are running businesses because mm. I just can't imagine how you, I mean, you find a way, right? I've got friends that do it, mm. but juggling all of that whilst also juggling everything that's going on in a business, it's like, it's like having two families, isn't it? If you've got a team, well, yeah, it's, um, so I don't know how you guys do it. So hats off to
1: you all. Well, one of the key things actually, like now I'm reflecting on it is you you, you the time becomes finite when you're when it's you mm-hmm. don't have kids when I used to run this business and I didn't have kids it I always found like if something needs to be done I could just work harder I could work longer yeah. Yeah, same. Whereas now, you know, I've got a cut off, yeah, and um, and a lot of the time, like you know, half terms and stuff, I I don't, I, I might go away w- w- with the kids, yeah, and you've just got this cut off, and when time becomes finite, I mean, time's always finite, really, yeah, yeah. like you can you can work sixty-hour weeks, but that th- that's a finite yeah. amount, so you start. Doing things differently when time it is more of yeah. a constraint, yeah. Like th- things where I might have tried, might have just tried to do it myself before and worked harder. I, I outsource or I yeah. in- increase the size of the team, and it cu- all those things actually adds value to the business. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's expensive in in the short term it damages profitability. Yeah. But the long term, long
2: term, you're yeah.
1: cre- creating infrastructure. Yeah, for sure. Um. So I think, but the other side of having kids is like you do feel a bit more pressure, like. The yeah. risks I would have taken, you know, five years ago are not risks, necessary risks I yeah, take Yeah, have more
0: responsibility, haven't you? So yeah, yeah, I, I do sometimes think for myself, I, if I had a family or if I had even like a dog, mm. just something, somebody else that I had to look after, I do think it would, um, it would probably help me not burn out quite so much. Because um, yeah, I'm, re- I'm really bad for that. Um, can't really, like you say, if there's, so many hours in the day, I don't have to be home for the kids or because a partner's going out to play football or hockey or whatever. I don't have, I don't have any time restraints really like that. So I can just work as long as mm. I need to or want to. Um, and it goes through fits and starts at the moment. I'm in a period of really not shutting off very well. Um, just cause we've mm. got a lot going on and a lot of the work at the moment is quite heavy on the strategy side, which I tend to lead. So my workload is quite heavy right now. Um, and then there are other periods where actually I find it a lot easier because mm. we've got to the point where we're fulfilling the, the run rate work. And that's where the team sort of take over and I don't necessarily get as involved with the graphics for things anymore. Um, but yeah, it's um it's really hard to control like your inner workaholic when you don't have extra responsibilities. So one day maybe and then I'll be mm. a little bit more balanced.
1: Amazing. Yeah. So Hannah, like um, um this has been really insightful. Um actually one thing I really want to ask you is um what's your favorite business book?
0: Oh. Oh, good question. Um uh, a bit of a niche one, probably, but um it's called Power. I'm think I'm pretty sure it's called Powerful. And mm. it was written by um a lady who used to work for Netflix. Um, right. I can't for the life of me remember her name. It's a red cover. I'll I'll send you the link and if you want to include it in the 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 sort of um link section below on the video and you upload it but it it's all around um like cultural shifts in the business we've talked about culture quite a lot yeah. and Netflix obviously um came into the market and had a really big impact quite quickly and she talks a lot around how the impact that had on the on the people in the mm. business you know high growth business um and I just I read it at a point where we were really early on in the business And it was very, um, it sort of put a bit of a fire in my belly to Mm -hmm. sort of go for it Um, when we were at that stage. Yeah, it just sort of made me think, do you know Mm. what? Yeah, come on, let's give it a go. Um, And then I am a massive fan of um, Start With Why.
1: Simon Sinek. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah,
0: big fan of Simon Sinek. That's quite um, important
1: for a marketing agency anyway because that gets the message right. Yeah,
0: and I have that conversation with people all the time. A lot of the conversations I have is like, why would would people pick you over your Mm. competition? Um, So yeah, probably those
1: two um have you read built to sell no um that's uh john warrelo and it's like the story it's a fictional story based on real events but yeah. um it's about this marketing agency and this marketing agency owner oh, called um alex stapleton yeah and um he he hates his business because <laughs> he, he does a little bit of everything yeah. he's got really needy um customers yeah yeah um cash flow issues a team he doesn't like and it's a story of how he turns it (laughs) into a really successful business oh cool i'll have a look at that um yeah built to sell um the third door is good have you read the third door that
0: is what again i'm so bad at remembering the names of the authors but um that's really good that's about sort of not always taking the most direct route Mm -hmm. so essentially taking the the side door is it Um, business related or yeah yeah it's a it's about a guy who um he again i read it ages ago but he was studying a lot and was really just not sure how to make a success of what what it was that he was trying to do. And he was trying all of these different ways to succeed and eventually came to the conclusion that actually sometimes taking the less less traveled road, for want of a better phrase, is is a better way to go about things. So like I've said recently with people applying for jobs, it's very rare that people reach out directly anymore. Mm. Like the, the most direct route is put your CV on Indeed or whatever and put your CV on LinkedIn and then hope that, The people who are hiring are going to contact you. If you really want a job, email me. Why not? Mm. Um, You know, don't always follow the the path that everybody else is going on. Like you say, when people are stopping communicating during a pandemic, your attitude was double down, triple down, do more. Um, I think it's a book around just not following the crowd, basically, Mm. which I, yeah, I'm a big fan. Big fan of that sort of mentality.
1: Yeah. Do what everyone isn't doing. Yeah. Stand out. Within different. reason. I yeah. Guess.
0: Be a bit braver. Yeah.
1: Um Hannah that's been absolutely amazing interviewing you on the podcast. And um it. if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way?
0: LinkedIn, for sure, yeah. So just Hannah Brady on LinkedIn, you'll see a big blue circle behind my head. Hard to miss. Um, but yeah, I'm very active on there. Um, and all my contact information, mobile number, everything is on there. So if you ever need anything, that's the best place
1: to go okay amazing and thank you so much for joining us and
2: everyone you've been watching the unrelenting drive podcast i'll see you the next episode